Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey friends, uh, welcome to the Tenzin Vegas podcast. My name is Andre and I'm here with Owen and... Uh end of the first week of Roland Garros have we reached the end of the first week yet yeah I guess today was day seven okay right cool um so how are you doing man I'm doing well I've been able to watch a lot of the tennis it's been tiring at times but it's been really yeah. fun how are you great uh and obviously much less tiring than uh Australian Open and by oh, the way yeah. just as I I hear a car going out on my street uh, I have to say like it's been raining a lot today so if the listeners you hear some like noise from my end I'm sorry, it's it's hot and, and humid, so I had to open the windows. So yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll just uh, we'll get more listens this way because this will double as like ASMR. It'll be like nice. tennis podcast and that. Just speak like really close to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Roger um, Federer. Uh, yeah. Did you did you see that? Funny that you say Roger Federer. Side note on this one: Did you see that weird ASMR video? I think the Tennis Channel posted on like Roger Federer's footwork. I did, but I didn't watch it. I honestly yeah. didn't understand the hype. Like, I love watching his footwork, but yeah. like, I honestly don't really understand what makes something ASMR except like sounds and like close-ups and stuff. It, it truly is exactly that, though. Like, I okay, mean, yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's weirdly satisfying because I guess because you know what it looks like in real life, and you like you can imagine this going through. And it's like, oh yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Side note on this weird video that somehow went viral, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I like I think I clicked on that for like one second and then clicked off because I was kind of confused, but I might go back to it. Yeah. So yeah, um back to Roland Garros Clay's Lamb of the Year, the only one. Some people will think there should be more, but so far we got this. And we have a lot of very, very fun matches going up coming up. We have a lot of already nice stories from this week, as always. Um, and I, I guess we we can start with one of the um, star players from last year and this year, kind of like a revelation in how well she's been able to keep up with the pressure and the expectations. Um, Polish player Iga Świątek, um, defending actual defending champion, if you of the uh, Roland Garros um, tournament, she did win last year after the loss of only twenty eight games, which amounts to if you. Um, put everything together i think she, she would have lost a total of four games an average of four games per match which is pretty insane and she's been doing incredibly well still she hasn't yet dropped a set mm-hmm. this tournament yeah i mean her match today was really difficult um annette contivate played really well took her to a first set tie break she was up a break early in the in the set and uh Sviantek served at five all and that game went to 30 all into deuce but Sviantek played a really good tiebreak. And then after that, she did what she's been doing to basically all the other players, just pulled away and demolished her in the second set. That ended up being a bagel. Um, so yeah, she's been so impressive. Like today, uh, last year's entire Roland Garros, her first two matches this tournament, it it's getting tougher and tougher to imagine who might beat her. 
Yeah, it, it, it's crazy because the more I talk about Yish Viantek and the more I use words to describe her game and how she plays, the more I could I feel my I feel like I could be switching her name to Rafa Nadal's. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of if I switch it over to Nadal, it would all still make sense. It's like, it, and it's 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 a very interesting prospect to have a player like this one but two it must be it must be really um a lot of pressure for her to like oh my gosh i'm being compared to a guy who has won this tournament like 13 times and it's you know like 13 times like the from the time that roger federer has won his first to his last junior players have been born and are now becoming professionals and it's and he's still the major favorite to win it again so yeah yeah i mean it's pretty crazy, and I think it also wouldn't help the presser that Rafa is Fiontech's idol. Exactly. And so to be compared like that early in your career when you know, you've know you just turned 20 and you're a major champion, but she hasn't had all that much experience on tour. I mean, um, when like at the French Open, she hasn't even been dragged into like a really competitive match yet. I mean, today was competitive for a set, but after that... Um, it was lopsided, so she's never really had to like fight for her life in at Roland Garros when she's been the favorite. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when you're missing that experience and other experiences, it really must be difficult to be compared to someone who's sort of been through all you can go through That's on a true. tennis court. And um, and this isn't to take away from her ability or anything, which is out of this world. And her mentality is also incredible. But I think it might do everyone some good if those comparisons were to sort of be scaled back a little bit. That's true. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, she 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 did only win Roland Garros once. I think it would be a fairer comparison if you, because obviously her she idolizes Nadal as a, as a player, and she's more in this era than the earlier ones. Uh, and her game is also kind of similar in a lot of ways. She moves super, super well, has like a very spinny forehand. But I feel like it, it'd be a fairer comparison if you just kind of like big players like Gustavo Kirten, like from 2000s, or maybe uh, Justine Enan, who was really good too. By, um, she won four Roland Garros um, uh, tr- trophies and Guga won, uh, won three. So this is a bit more achievable if you have one. And I think I tweeted out, uh, I, I believe that she, she can win at least like some three or four. <laughs> we, we shouldn't never be expecting a player to win like eight to 10 um, Grand Slams on any surface, I guess, because... Uh, we have we can probably count on the fingers of one hand how many players have like over six to over seven like grand slams in 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 the same tournament like uh, from the top yeah. of my head i have like navratilova federer nadal djokovic and that's that's i can't i can't remember really many more so yeah I, I think Everett might have uh like yeah. seven or eight at roland garros yeah so yeah it's 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 quite the achievement and just to keep putting the pressure on her like this but if you put your uh, side back in the present it's still really encouraging that she's playing so well and is a player to beat and you know it's it's always good because somebody comes up and challenges her it's it's good match alert so who, who isn't happy about that yeah exactly I mean it's fun to see someone being dominant but for me and I think for a lot of other people I find a dominant player most fun to watch when they're when they really get pushed because yeah. you know that they can dominate but like how can they do when um when the pressure is on or when someone is matching their level. And today, Sviantek showed that 
she's more than capable of answering the challenge. I think in the first set, Contivate hit something ridiculous, like 23 winners and 10 on oh, yeah. force errors or it's something like, like some... 11 on force errors. Yeah, yeah. That, because it's right. a, winning, a winning stat. Honestly. Exactly. I mean, that's more than double like winners to unforced errors. That's a crazy ratio. That will win you a set 99% of the time. And uh, and Sviantec managed to win the set anyway. It was incredible. I I think she only hit one on force error in the tiebreak, and that was when she was already in control of it. Um, I tweeted something earlier about sort of the crucial points of the tiebreak, and she navigated them really, really well. I think she hit a backhand winner down the line on set point. Um, but yeah, like it's it's so encouraging to see, like you said, because we know she's on this like 20, 20 sets in a row, or one at Roland Garros now. And she's defending champion, and she's sort of looks to be steaming towards another title, at the very least, another deep run. Uh, but I think it's also important to appreciate sort of what she's doing along the way, because when um, when a player is dominating like this, I think it's easy to sort of reduce that dominance to a set of numbers or a streak, and it can sort of be repeated so often that you forget what it really means. And what, when you look at what Sviantec is doing, beating all these top players, um, and uh, like winning all these matches in a row. Uh, she's the best prospect to like defend a major title on the WTA in a few years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, and like, I, I think she could win like a handful of Roland Garros titles. Um, she doesn't look to be slowing down from last year. And, uh, and it's really great to see. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, I, I like about her as well is her, um, even though I'm talking about pressure and everything like that, but like, she seems to be, wanting to be in the in the big stages and winning big titles it's not like she 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 went like the one slam wonder in which she wins a grand slam and then realizes that it's too much pressure and it's too much hard mm-hmm. work but like, i feel like after seeing her in the clay season this year um after her loss to Barty, she was extremely frustrated with her uh performance um not even with the loss itself but like just the way that she played um and then coming back and winning rome like so fantastically well like uh i mean obviously pliskova a shell of the player that she can be but like fiantek probably on top of her game all of those things combined made for a very unsighted final yeah. um so i think it's, it's interesting because it, it, it probably means that she will be coming back to roland garros and other grand slams obviously but like right now since we're talking about this and she's been kind of like a revelation on clay um i think uh, she she will be coming back every year and we'll be thinking can she can she win it again if she doesn't win this year, for example? I think she can still come back next year and be like one of the favorites. Yeah, I feel the same way. On Twitter, I saw something that was sort of comparing something she said to something Nadal had said after winning his first major. And it was pretty similar. It was like both of them saying, like, I want more. And so I do think that motivation is there. Like, she's not content with just one major. She wants to win more of them. Yeah. And that's a great sign for a young player, a player who's just won their first major, someone who clearly has the skill set to win way more than that. Yeah. Because, like, we know the game is there, but now we know the mentality is also there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the sky is the limit for her. Yeah. Um, what do you think about her next match and her the, the, the next matchups that are coming about, like, for... Um second week yeah so she'll be playing uh kostyuk who um who absolutely crushed uh Gracheva today uh six one six two and she's just 18 years old but she's been like steaming through the draw which is really impressive um i think shiviantek is still definitely the favorite to win that one but um i mean based on how kostyuk has been playing it could definitely be tricky yeah i guess I guess it, it could be the one match that we are looking that you're just talking about, like the the one that could push Sviantek 
to the brink. Hmm. I think it would be interesting if you want two, three sets in like a very tight one or just two tight sets. If, uh, if, um, Shmantak actually managed to win this in two tight sets, it would be pretty impressive and she would keep her winning streak in sets. And, um, next round for her could actually be a rematch of last year's Rolling Arrows as Cannon is actually still in this draw and playing well. Yeah. As now that all the, uh, the spotlight is completely not on her anymore after winning that the Australian Open last year. All eyes went on her for a while. I think now she's been playing a little bit more freely and kind of grinding her way through, which is kind of what she does. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. it'd be interesting to see that again, if they actually get to meet then. That could be fun, yeah, because Kennan has definitely been under the radar this tournament. She did really well to beat uh, Jessica Pagula today. Uh, she was down a set, but then came back to convincingly win the second. And then she won the third, and it was uh, and it was closer, but she still sort of gritted it out, and um, and that was like a hotly contested match for a while. Um, so it was good to see her sort of edge that one because she hasn't been um in the place that she was when she won the Australian Open or made the Roland Garros final for a while now. And so I think it would really do her good if she could make a deep run here. And um, I think it is also helping that the spotlight isn't really on her. A lot of the focus is on Sviantec. More and more focus has been on Serena Williams with the bottom half of the draw opening up. And Kennan, even though she's the fourth seed, uh, major champion, defending finalist here, uh, really hasn't been talked about as much. And I think sometimes it can help a player to sort of play without as much expectation. Yeah, yeah. And who who did you pick again to play in the final against her? Was it Sabalenka and she already lost? Um, yeah, I mean, I actually picked Barty and Sabalenka for the final. Um, oh, Sabalenka, I mean, crashed out, um, got bageled in the third set. Um, Barty, so my pick was definitely off there. Barty, I sort of, um, I'm less harsh on myself for that because she got injured and that yeah. was, um, that was impossible to foresee at the time. Yeah. Um, but I did say to Vonch in our preview podcast that if Sviantek played at her best, uh, she would win or she would be the favorite if she were playing at her best. Yeah. I just, um, based on her loss to Barty earlier in the clay season, I thought that she would have sufficient lapses that Barty would take her out in the semifinals. Mm. And who's your, who's your uh, next pick for finals then? Oh, uh, on the bottom half? Yeah. Man, that's tough. Um, it's, it, it just opened up completely. It, it's opened point. up so much. I mean, for a second, I almost wanted to say Bedosa because she's had a good clay season. Uh, she won one of the matches of the tournament, probably the match of the tournament so far. And one of the matches of the year against Bogotan in the third round. But at the same time, I think like she doesn't have a ton of experience at the majors. Mm. Um, I, I think she'd be susceptible to being taken out by someone on their best day. Yeah. And I mean, you also have 23 time major champion Serena Williams in the draw. Yeah. Um, and even though Clay is not her yeah. best surface, and it's been a few yeah. years since she won Roland Garros, like if she's at her best, then I'd say she would be the favorite to make it out of the bottom section. And then you have Azarenka, who's been playing really well. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's a really tough call. Yeah. And by the way, Van Drusovar, like the finalist yeah, of yeah. 2019, I believe, is against Paula Badosa. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that should be a really good match, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to catch that one. Yeah, so yeah. if I had to pick one name... My God, this is really difficult. Um, <laughs> yes, okay. So if I'm looking at the matches that have been played so far... Um, one sec, I'm just going back to the first round to check some scores. Um, Azarenka has not dropped a set at least since... Yeah, she dropped one set in the first round, but hasn't dropped a set since then. 
she's been really deep in majors recently um final finalist at the u.s open mm-hmm. and if she's in really good form i think she could be a good pick um i mean serena has also been great so i think i might go azarenka and then like azarenka is one and then serena is one b and then okay. Bedosa after that yeah so i'm actually gonna go if uh with uh von Drusova at this point okay and i think my one B, if I'm allowed to do that, since you've done it, uh, I think I would yeah. say probably Azarenka. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Serena fans. <laughs> I know you guys are num- uh, numerous, and I still want her to win the 24th. But yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's going to be the time. I, think I, I mean, Serena has been great. And the second round, she played a really fun match with uh, Buzarnescu. Um, lost a close second set, but then battled well and easily won the third. And and against Collins, she was down 4-1 in the second set, but then reeled off five games in a row. And she has looked really, really good at times. Um, it, I don't know. I, I just have a tough time picking her to make the, the finals for some reason. Um, but she has been playing a lot of great tennis recently, and yeah. her peak is the highest of anyone left in the bottom draw, even on clay, which has historically been her worst surface. Yeah. So, so yeah, a- anyone who picks her as the favorite to make the final now is... Uh, um, that's a totally fine pick. Smart. Yeah, but I will still pick. I would still pick uh, Shiontek. I think it was she was my pick. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, um, I would pick Shiontek yeah. to win yeah. a final with Serena as well, which is which is kind of crazy when you just look at their career accomplishments. I, know, right? I mean, I'm sure if that happens, Shiontek would go into it thinking. I'm sure some part of her would be thinking like, I'm totally the underdog here. You know, like Serena's the, the best ever. She's won all these titles. Um, like how can I possibly be the favorite at like 20 years old and like so much less experience? Um, it's kind of wild to think about. Yeah. I think something tells me that Fiontech would go into this match. Like, man, I cannot wait to beat Serena Williams on the, on this court. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's kind of like she, something about her personality just kind of like feels like she gets super excited about a challenge like this. And like the just the title that Serena Williams holds, like the unofficial gold title that um, Serena Williams holds, kind of probably would make uh, Shvantek's eyes sparkle about this matchup. I, that that would be my my gut feeling about this, which would no, be no, yeah, I, I can yeah. totally see that. And yeah. I think that if she were to win it, it would also send her confidence through the roof. Absolutely. And after that, she would probably go into every match thinking that she were the favorite on clay, at least. Yeah. And um, now that we've uh, mentioned the, the word. Goat. How about we move on to right. the <laughs> to the um, to the men's draw? Which, by the way, I don't think anybody can disagree that that was the clay court goat at this point. Like, I mean, it's been a while that it's been sort of official, but right. I mean, I think it came yeah. became official sort of in 2012 when he won his seventh and passed Borg. Yeah, and, and since then, no one's really bothered to contest it. That's true, but I mean, I guess every year just kind of just puts more cement into this, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> into this foundation. And uh, it, it doesn't really matter where it opens up. It, it, it really just looks like it opens up to, towards Rafa Nadal at this point. Um, mm. And so let's let's talk big three, I guess, to, to start this this one, yeah. and then we can move on to like maybe um, next Jenny um, type of players. So yeah, what are your thoughts on uh, big three? Start with whoever you want. All right. Um, well, I think Djokovic has looked awesome. He. Um, Something he does in early rounds a lot of the time is I actually find him one of the more uncompelling players to watch in early rounds just because he's so dominant in them a lot of the time. Like, um, it's, it's common knowledge uh, to a lot of tennis fans that Djokovic matches up well 
with essentially everyone because like his serve is good. His return is awesome. His defense is awesome. He's so he's going to neutralize power. Um, but then if you don't have power, he's also going to overpower you. And so in these early rounds, like he'll win in straight sets if he's on, but sometimes he won't even face a break point, which is what happens today against uh, Barankus, I think. Um, uh, sorry. Yeah. And um, he didn't get broken against Sandgren either. And against Cuevas, who played really, really well. He was only broken one time. He hasn't dropped a set. He hasn't been pushed past a 6-4 set. And so I, I still don't think he's the favorite to win. I still think Nadal has a great chance of taking him out, and that's what's going to happen. But it's nice to see how well he's playing because um, as with Serena, Clay has historically been his worst surface, but it's sort of inspiring to see how great the tennis is that those two are still playing on it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think he should be really confident because he's been playing really well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let you in on something. I haven't been watching. Like it, it's been sort of like my personal policy that I don't watch pretty much any top players match, like in the men's draw, Grand Slams, um, until like at least like the fourth round because they're normally really boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, kind uh... of normally I would check out and like at least check the scores because I'm like, if if I see that Djokovic is like six one six two, like I'm up, up and like this is this is just the clinic. I don't need to watch this again because it's like it's right. Been, the same stories in forever like when it got hooked up in tennis it's like oh yeah let me i just really want to watch every single match but then now i'm like i scroll through the draw i'm like so what what match is actually <laughs> potentially interesting at this point and now we actually are getting kind of spoiled there's a lot of good matches going on yeah uh, both sides men and women but like i normally steer away from the top 10 guys from the top three guys let's say like mm-hmm. uh, because they're normally like not incredible matches at the start of the Grand Slam, especially now Djokovic Nadal. When Federer is playing well, it was also a little bit of Federer because it's like, yeah. yeah, Federer doesn't even look excited when he plays his matches. Right? Yeah, it's like, um, and I think that's a great way to go through majors. To be honest, I've been watching them this tournament because um, I've been interested to see their form and I've wanted to write about their yeah. matches a couple of times. But I think in general, it's like at the 2020 Australian Open. In the second round, Djokovic played Ito, who like never broke his serve. And then in the next round, he played Nishioka, who never broke his serve. And it's like, you'll see some nice points in the highlights, but it's just so uncompelling to watch because yeah. like, even though you know Djokovic is going to get frustrated at some point and he's going to like dump a weird shot into the net here and there, like you know that he is not going to sweat. Um, yeah. It's just going to be so easy for him. And sometimes matches like that just aren't all that fun to watch. Um, so yeah, like, like with... um what I was saying earlier about Sviantek, when you have a dominant player, I think it's most fun to watch them, not when they're dominating, but when they're really pushed. And that is just hardly ever the case in the early rounds. Like, yeah. um, like with Nadal and Nori today, that was like six, three, six, three, six, three. And so when Nadal got broken twice in the second set, like all of his fans are going to be freaking out on uh, the Twitter timeline, but like in the end, you know, it's not going <laughs> to matter, you know, yeah. like there's, there's never really any drama there. And so it can be fun to watch. Yeah. an occasional good point or a good set even but overall um tennis watching gets a lot better than that yeah seriously don't get me wrong i still watch it like but i watch bits and pieces of it i check out the match every yeah. once in a while and but i just won't sit out sit sit from coin toss to handshake i will not sit through a match like this because it's it's not very compelling at some point but it, but it's also important to watch those matches especially as people in the industry to at least mm-hmm. check out like their form because it's 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 important to know that and one last comment about Djokovic, I guess, like if you want to talk to more about him, but like yeah. I, the one thing I have to say about him is that um, Djokovic has been sort of like this 
type of player that like he will just it seems like he doesn't really care anymore about the about pressure or anything like this he probably does obviously but like he's just silently beating everyone like we don't see many yeah. bits and pieces of press conferences like difficult questions he doesn't really get the spotlight for a lot of times but like he's there he's a shadow that's like constantly there he's still Djokovic number one for a reason it's not really shaking up the the whole earth right now but like he's yeah he's making it through convincingly and it's maybe the boring part of it is what's the most scary because it's actually boring not because it's boring but because it's super good and exactly yeah it is it's just building up towards like a big match potentially against rafa nadal it, it is yeah like sort of everything about Djokovic forces you to address that he is there like he what you were saying about playing so well to make matches boring like he's done that in bits of Wimbledon finals against Federer like 2015 the ending of that was super anticlimactic and it's like it's Federer and Djokovic how can it possibly be boring or one-sided but it was at the end and um and yeah he might not be like delivering super exciting sound bites or although he did have a nice interview with uh, Steve Wiseman today and he might not be like hitting insane hot shots or playing great matches in the early rounds but like so far in this tournament his form has been better than Nadal's and like this is Nadal's turf and everything and he's still the favorite but like Djokovic playing better so far forces you to address that like he is still there you know he yeah. could still win uh, and I think that's a great asset to have yeah, exactly. And now that you mentioned, like, let's just move over to Nadal then, since uh, we are already at the topic. And, sure, yeah. Um, Nadal has been striking me a lot as the type of player, like at least in this type of uh, in this tournament. Like, he's, uh, it seems like he's already uh, confident enough in his um, average form that he can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. But especially like when I watched a bit of Gasquet, oh, it yeah. looked like he was just trying to make hot shots like all the time like he was like going for crazy backhand winners down the line all of a sudden and just uh-huh. he started missing a few of the second set and he almost paid the price for it but like it's almost like he's he's using those matches as in like okay there's no way i'm gonna lose this match so i'm gonna try to enforce it a little bit to see how far can i go and how far can i raise my level um and if things go south i would just like revert to back tactics uh, and right. just, just regular win this match and but yeah i mean he he, i i don't think he's gonna have dips like this against like novak djokovic like for example so i i probably would say djokovic is probably not looking at those like hey wait a minute maybe not that i was gonna have one of those and i'm gonna win it exactly probably like thinking that is not gonna be the same guy when he when we play each other again he's gonna Mm -hmm. be much more uh, self-aware like much more aware of what's coming off from than the other side of the court against him so it's 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 almost interesting to watch Nadal in Rolling Garros. Uh, always interesting because it's it's almost like you don't really know what he's trying to accomplish there. Like mm-hmm. like what is going through his mind in the early rounds? Like he always says, like yeah, I'm just playing point by point, and I'm always like respecting my opponents, which is true. He always he always is. Yeah. Like there's probably no shadow of a doubt in his mind that he can win this tournament again. Like right, no matter yeah. who's on the other side, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's sort of similar to what we were saying about watching like a legend play their early rounds as well. It's like he might drop a point in a weird way or something, and people will start saying, like, oh, he wouldn't have made that mistake five years ago, or like, oh, he looks tired, or that sort of thing. But like, none of it matters, you know? <laughs> it's like he's going to beat everyone in straight sets in the first two rounds. And like, even when he doesn't, it's not indicative of, um, 
how the tournament's going to end up. I mean, in 2011, he dropped two sets to John Isner in the first round, and yeah. he ended the tournament by breadsticking Federer in the final. Like, none of it means anything. Um, and so I think, like, feel free to look into it, but, like, do so at your own peril, because yeah. when when the matches are big, historically, there's been no one better at raising their level than Nadal in the late rounds at Roland Garros. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I do feel like he is in a way like using this insane amount of margin he has in these matches to like try certain things, get certain shots working. And like, why wouldn't you? Because that must be an insane amount of power to have <laughs> because like when, when he's playing Nori, for instance, like I know his mentality is to fight and to grind and everything, but on some level you have to know just how many things would need to go wrong for him to be in any kind of trouble in that match, like serious trouble where the result were like momentarily in doubt. And so it must be a bit of a struggle not to like use all that margin to just try like insane things. And I think, I guess it's a credit to his mentality that he doesn't, but yeah, I think, um, I think a lot of his mentality is dedicated to trying to just get into form for the later matches Hmm. in these first few. He said in press um, when he's going to play center, he said like it's time to go up a step or something. Um, (laughs) And and it sounded very ominous because like he knows he has that extra step and like everyone else knows it too. Like he hasn't been at his best so far and he hasn't had to be, but like it's still clear to everyone. So, um, so yeah, I mean, as always, he's the favorite, not much more to it than that. Yeah, exactly. This quote almost sounds like the, I've been watching a lot of anime lately and this Uh quote like just really sounds like, you know, that, the old guy who's like extremely strong and like you know like goku goes up against like the guy like uh, like whatever like uh, his trainer is like okay now you've been doing really well like now it's time for me to show my true power exactly (laughs) it literally just sounds like that (laughs) so yeah yeah, it's 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 fun like to to watch nadal like i'm excited about his his match against sinner uh i've mentioned on twitter i feel like if this match is going to be any difficult it's going to be four sets to nadal Mm -hmm. I can't see Sinner making it any more challenging than that for for Nadal. Not at this point in his career, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be really tough for Sinner. He's going to need to serve well because um, historically his serve has been a weakness. And if he's not getting his first serves in with power really consistently, Nadal's going to be in a bunch of his service games. That wasn't really the case in the first set of their Roland Garros match last year, but Nadal started quite slowly there. And so I think, I don't think that's going to happen again. I think he'll win the first set by a break at least. Mm. And from there, it's just going to be an uphill battle for center. But he definitely does have the game to make a mark. Depending on how well Nadal plays, he could take a set. He could force a tie break. So I'm excited as well because I think it guarantees to be more competitive than the matches Nadal has had so far. And that alone is exciting. Yeah. And uh, I want to talk a bit, a bit about Federer too. I know that there yeah. was no segue to that, but like whatever. The segue no, will I'll be get. like the it will be a an and it all um the Italians versus the big three. That's the next round for right. you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know the ATP and tennis TV accounts are gonna go crazy with that and like their tweets. Like the puns and the flags are just gonna be everywhere. Oh, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine if they serve uh like whatever breadsticks and bagels would be interesting like oh right yeah it'll be like sinner is cooking up in his italian bakery or something or yeah, like whatever. just crazy tweets like that like just, they're funny and they're imaginative but yeah yeah it's just like the podcast uh-huh. <laughs> um so yeah like we have roger federer who's coming back from lots of months of injury and also 
not winning a lot this year yet mm -hmm. uh, he he won against Dan Evans a match that many thought was going to be really interesting and it was and he lost to Tim, uh, to Basilashvili um and then he went off went on to take another like two month break or something like that and then mm -hmm. lost to Pablo Andujar in Geneva and in those matches the one thing that was very um striking for me was how he got to early leads and he couldn't keep up like he right. started missing his backhand was not working very well his movement obviously isn't even if he didn't have any surgery on his knees he was not going to be perfect at 40 years old but um movement wise it's just sort of not as speedy anymore like kind of lost a little bit a bit of a half a step maybe even a full step in his game at this point mm -hmm. um Forehand is starting to be a little more erratic at times. The backhand is probably the shot that has suffered the most uh, with all this, this, these years. Good thing that he made the change to the larger frame, so now he shanks yeah. way, way less. But um, what do you think of his performance now? I mean, all in all, I guess Federer has already had a great week and a great tournament, Absolutely. even if he loses yeah. like in the next round. But yeah, what do you think about it? I mean, he's already exceeded my expectations for this tournament. I thought he would get Fritz in the third round instead of uh, Kupfer. Um, and I thought he would lose to Fritz. So he's gotten to the fourth round, which is awesome. He's played, um, trying to think, four sets today. Four sets. Yeah, he's played 11 sets total this tournament, which I think is as many or more than he was hoping for to get a proper warm up for the grass. So I think even if. Berrettini bagels him three times on Monday. It's going to be a success overall. Mm -hmm. um, and his game has impressed me too. I mean, in the first round, he played Estiman, who really couldn't pose a challenge at all. But but he played really well. His game was firing and everything, never faced a break point. Tillich was tougher, but um, but he still handled that pretty well. And today, I mean, he was far from his best and he was really, really tested. But I think physically he hung on really well. The match lasted more than three and a half hours, and it's super encouraging for Wimbledon that he was able to do that because, as we remember, the final in 2019 was like four hours and 54 minutes or something. And so he might not have to do that again if he wants to win Wimbledon, but he will have to play for a lot of hours. So it's good that he was able to play for this long because I I wasn't sure he could do that. He's going up on 40 years old. Um, so it's just ridiculous that he's capable of playing these kinds of matches. And um, while he did do his Federer thing of blowing a lot of break points at certain times, he was yeah. um, Kepfer was four for six and Federer was five for 14. Um, and yeah, the first set he probably should have broken and he didn't, yeah. but, but in the big moments, he still did pretty well. He, um, he played a bad tie break in the second set, but in the third, he was down four, two came back, got it to a tie break and then clutched it out from there. And in the third set, in the fourth set, sorry, he was up an early break 2-1, and he couldn't consolidate from 40-15, but he didn't let that bother him. Um, he ended up breaking it 5-all and then serving the match out to 15. Mm -hmm. So he navigated the tough moments really well when he had to, and that was encouraging as well. Um, and I know a lot of fans, and I'd like to see this as well if I'm being honest, um, want to see Federer and Djokovic play in the quarterfinals. Um, I do think Federer's run is going to come to an end at the hands of Ferrettini, who beat Quan in straight sets today, has been playing well, and I think um, physically is going to be far fresher than Federer is. But Federer's already made a really successful run. I think he's gotten exactly what he wanted out of Roland Garros, and if he can make sure he's fresh by the time grass season starts, um, I don't think he would change a thing yeah. about 
this tournament, even if he like loses from match point up in the next round. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think he's even going to get to the point where he has a match point. In the, the oh no, I, I don't think he will. But yeah, but and, and I think Federer has like played everything that he could have hoped he he was playing this week. He's he's played a match where he was completely dominant and everything was firing against Istomin. His his level of drop shotting was was insane. Like I yeah. don't think I I used to think Djokovic had the best drop shots in the in, on tour, but I, I believe that nobody has better hands on tour than Federer. To this day, I feel like he's he's probably the best guy. If you feel to disagree with me on that, like I'm, I'm not. It, I'm not no, it, it's a fun debate. I mean, they yeah. both have incredible drops. I'm not. Uh, I'm not willing to ahead. die on this hill, but like for uh. now, this is what I think. <laughs> but yeah, and he also played like a tough match. Against- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Chilich was also not on his best, but like, I mean, in a yeah. battle of like people who are coming off like tough seasons in their lives, they showed good level and the mentality was good too. So that was fun to watch. Yeah. Um, against Cuffert, it was interesting too because it was, a, it was a match with no fans, first of all. Yeah. Um, it was also a match at night. Uh, so we was, it was just physical. So this match was, so Federer has already had everything and now he's got the bonus challenge of playing a top 10 player so yeah uh it, it, it's definitely definitely everything that federer could have hoped for the ultimate thing that you obviously would like to try out would be playing Djokovic. Mm-hmm. um even if he goes into this match that like the more the further he goes into this tournament now he's like oh yeah whatever at this point like whatever right. like, i don't care but like if he plays against Djokovic, it's going to be at least a test on like how um how his shots can penetrate um Djokovic's game or whatever how yeah. he can face them like at least mentally maybe not even physically but at least mentally like how how does he feel about going on on court against those guys I feel exactly. like exactly this is the one thing that he would probably want to look for and he's definitely not showing signs of like not caring about his matches he was really excited about winning against Kupfer he was like um shouting a few times in German uh, yeah so it was really interesting to, to see that um so I, th- I can expect at least like a big challenge from Federer on uh, over ben- Berrettini. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, um, I would say like, probably this goes to four sets. But I, yeah, I would agree with that. A lot of people were saying on Twitter that they think Berrettini will win in straights, but I would be surprised if Federer goes down meekly. Um, he said after the match, like so, I think he was asked a question and he just said something like "I love tennis" or something. Um, and it was like it seems like very pure because like he's been through all of this stuff. Uh, injury wise and like he's had a career that's basically twice as long as a career that like a lot of players have and yet like he still wants to play more which is really lovely to see and um 
And yeah, one of the reasons I would love to see him play Djokovic is because, I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest possible tests for his shots um, against one of the best defensive players on tour and someone who's so consistent. But also mentally, he's got so much baggage in that rivalry. Like he's going to remember the two match points he had at Wimbledon or that Mm -hmm. he had to serve out the first set against Djokovic at the Australian Open last year and got broken to love. All that is going to come back in the tight moments. And it'll just be fun to see how he he navigates these because it's one of the best, one of the better rivalries ever, I'll say. Probably not one of the very best. Um, And it's just fun to see sort of the clash of styles and mentalities whenever they play. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's this is this is really my thought for Federer, and like I also tweeted that a lot of the comments that I make here, I thought before and I posted on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can see lots of the pre-commentary of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I feel like Federer at this point, he while excited to be playing, he's probably more and more excited about going back to grass because that's when he's like, oh yeah, this is this is my turf right now. Yeah, like, no pun intended. But like, uh-huh. <laughs> well done. He's he's definitely gonna be looking so with so much um you know desire towards Halle. I don't know if they're holding the tournament this year. Yeah. Uh but yeah, like Wimbledon hopefully happens too. Like you never really know, but it, it seems pretty sad that it's gonna happen. Yep. And he's definitely gonna be super excited to be playing in Wimbledon again, where he definitely thinks he can win. Yeah, so, and like playing in front of fans and everything. Um I think like I mean he is nearing the end of his career and everyone knows it. Um and for a while, it seemed like his comeback was really not going to go well with the losses to Basilashvili and Andujar, uh, the second one in particular. But now I think he's sort of recovered a sufficient level that when he does play his last tournament, like if this does end up being the last Wimbledon he plays, like he'll make a good run. It's not like he'll sort of struggle through the first round and then lose the second. It's like he could make the quarters or maybe even the semis if he's playing really well. Um, and that's that's encouraging to see. It um it's, I mean, this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's just sort of another reminder that like hard work <laughs> pays off and everything. Yeah. Because his comeback really did have a lot of bumps in the road. And now, sort of ironically, on clay, where really very few expected him to do well, he's sort of like smoothing out the cracks and everything. Yeah. I guess um, I would say if anything, Federer keeps uh, loses um, the matches like in, say, Holly, for example. Mm-hmm. the one thing that i would say um for fans i guess like would be don't don't read too much into it i don't think it's yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's gonna get to federer mentally because i feel like at this stage in his career after all he's been through after last year it, it this this is going to sound cheesy but he's definitely just happy to be there at this point yeah and like yeah. obviously he wants to win but like he loves tennis so much and he just loves the competition and being there that like i feel like he's losing is like he's definitely got to a level of maturity um, as a person and as a tennis player that like he, he's probably going to shake it off. Like almost the second he he walks off the court and like he drops his, his rackets and just kind of like takes a shower and just like leaves and be like, yeah, whatever. It was yeah. a good day out, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like this is, this is what's going to be about it. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it feels more and more like he's going to be able to retire on his own terms and not because sort of, he hasn't been able to get in shape to a sufficient level that, he'll be able to play consistently. Um, and and that's great to see because, I mean, with the career he's had, like, no one deserves more to go out on their own terms, you know? Yeah. 
it'd be fun to see a Sampras kind of story like with Federer winning uh, a Grand Slam and then retiring right away. That that could be cool. I mean, I I just hope he like announces when he's going to play the majors for the last time. Like, imagine if he plays yeah. his last match at the U.S. Open, the crowds are just going to be exploding every match oh, uh, yeah, he plays. Totally. <laughs> The match um, is going to last like seven hours just because of like... Yeah, because they won't be able to get the crowd yeah. to quiet down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I think about uh, Agassi's last matches at the US Open. Man. And then I imagine what it's going to be like for the big three. Um, oh, man. And yeah. yeah, and I just get chills thinking about it. Oh, man. It, it's going to be weird. It's definitely going to be the end of an era. Like, I mean... Yeah. It it definitely... We always say that, obviously. I can imagine people who have been saying this like on the radio and TV since forever. Mm-hmm. But I guess this time... it. This one time, it's, it's definitely going to mark the end of a very spectacular era. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if we even changed the name of the era after that. Like, we are yeah. in the open era, but it would be interesting if we got another name after this because it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people already refer to sort of the prime years of the big three, like 2008 to 2014, even though that's not a perfect overlap. A lot of people call that the golden era. Yeah. Um, and like, it's well-deserved, you know, because of all the amazing matches they played. Yeah, really cool. Breaking news, there is a Twitter, uh, there's a tweet that Owen just saw while, like, as we end <laughs> this recording. Can you read this for us? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Tumaini Karayal of The Guardian tweeted, um, interesting, Roger Federer isn't 100% certain about playing his next match with the grass season in mind. And then a quote, I need to decide if I keep on playing or not, or if this is the perfect way to end. And then the next tweet is Federer elaborated, then another quote. Every match here or Geneva, I have to reassess the situation after the match and see in the morning how I wake up and how does the knee feel the next morning. So from that standpoint, it always goes like that. There is no difference after a match like this. So that sounds... So while he isn't positive about playing, it does sound like that's sort of an assessment he makes after after every match. And um, although this one was particularly attritional... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really hope he plays because I think it could be a fun matchup with Berrettini. But yeah, that's, I mean, it definitely makes sense. I probably should have considered that. Yeah. Well, I guess just because he was doing so well, it, it, it didn't feel like he, it felt, it felt like just Denis was holding up pretty pretty nicely. But it, it definitely mm-hmm. makes sense. Like when you when you consider that the human body is, is what it is and he's 40, I guess it, it yeah. does make sense. But yeah, like... Don't scratch yet everything that we just said. If you read this, right. tweet, this, this tweet before you listen to this episode, if Federer still plays, just go back and listen to everything that we just said. And <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for finding this out like while we're in the episode. <laughs> and now, um, since we're talking about the end of an era, what about mm-hmm. the guys who are coming next? And surprisingly, they're pretty much all on the bottom half of the draw. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, Couple interesting guys here. I got Tsitsipas, who've been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved on from his defeat against Nadal in Barcelona. Super good match, probably one of the matches of the year. Um, yep. And cruising in in Roland Garros. I don't. I don't know if he's dropped a set yet. He did. He dropped one set against John Isner, mm-hmm. um, but he neutralized his serve really well after that. Playing yeah. Karina Busta next, and we got. For me, I guess the story of the bottom half is Medvedev. Right. I don't know about the heir to the clay goat throne. Yeah, exactly. It's like, is it the time that when they're going to be t- talking about a clay court artist, is it going oh to be non ironically? Is it going to be right? This yeah, it's like, did Cliff a... Drysdale have a, a crystal yeah. ball this entire time and he's just making fools of all of us? Yeah, he decided he, to he make fun right. of him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he should have made his prediction like one or two years later, is <laughs> the only thing. Um, 
I mean, yeah, he's he's been a great story this tournament. In our in the preview podcast that Vance did with me, I um I thought I said I thought he would lose to Buvlik in the first round. Um, and I he could beat see him. that honestly. Yeah. I, I honestly looked at it in the match and I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had never won a match at Roland Garros at that point, and now like he's winning them routinely. Um, the match with Tommy Paul was really impressive because he was down a set, and then he only dropped eight games for the rest of the match. I figured he would beat Opelka convincingly, and he did. Um, mm-hmm. He broke five times, um, only lost his serve once. And um, yeah, and then tomorrow he's going to play um, Christian Gurin for a spot in, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the quarterfinals. Um, and then, <laughs> and there he could play Tsitsipas, who is a comfortable matchup for him historically. I'm pretty sure he's only lost to him once in their professional careers. Um, yeah, Medvedev has actually won their only meeting on clay. Wow. And so the one and, time that he made it to the finals of a tournament or something like this. Uh, no, I think it was in an early round in Barcelona, maybe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but and there's no doubt that Tsitsipas is the better clay court player, and he's more probably more in form. He's had a better clay court season. But, um, but I mean, it's a good matchup for Medvedev. Medvedev drilled him at the Australian Open. Um, so there might be some baggage there mentally for Tsitsipas. Hmm. Uh, there's been um, <laughs> there was a contentious post-match handshake between them way back in 2018. I think their I game styles that. clash quite nicely. Um, so that could be such a fun match. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to Medvedev playing well because um, I, from what I've uh, I've been watching him uh, this this past few matches, one I didn't expect Opelka to be broken that many times, mm-hmm. which obviously props to um, to Medvedev. I feel like um opelka could have served a tad bit better I feel definitely. Like he, he, but like uh Medvedev definitely taking that nadal stance like six meters behind the baseline just like expecting uh-huh. that return and returning well like on clay and moving well i was watching him against against him against opelka especially the match that i watched most of of uh, medvedev's this week and He's been sliding super well moving super well um using um his backhand really well very awkwardly though like he he doesn't he's not like the top spin master like uh, Djokovic and Nadal can, right. can pull off but like those crazy weird fat flat shots like never sail out and it's like so deep and he just keeps himself in the rally slides back uh backhand and forehand makes passing shots and it's like you look like a natural what were you doing this this past like, few months <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah it's it's frustrating in a way because it's like yeah. if you were capable of this now like it means you were capable of it last year or in 2019 when you also lost of it like last week Garros. pretty much <laughs> yeah i mean i think he did say in an interview that he only recently started feeling better from covid like 100 oh, yeah. percent better yeah, yeah. um so maybe we can give him a pass there but yeah, yeah i mean I mean, this makes him feel like a much more legitimate world's number two. I was, um, I mean, part of it felt like a joke during the clay season um, when he was just losing like to everyone. But now, I mean, even if he loses in straight sets to Gareen, this has been a wildly successful clay court campaign by his standards (laughs) so far. So, I mean, it's encouraging to see just because, um, I mean, I think he makes the top of the game more exciting. He has uh, fun matches with Djokovic and Nadal. Um, I think his style makes for some really fun rallies. It makes players sort of dig deeper to get the ball past him. Yeah, I mean, his his personality on clay, I'm not a huge fan of, but like he does connect with people with with some of his funny quotes or um, some of the things he says to umpires, I guess, although I don't see the appeal of that. Um, (laughs) 
but yeah, I, I enjoy watching him play. So it's good yeah. to see that he's making a run here yeah. because I did not expect it. Yeah, me neither. Honestly, like as I told you, I was 99% sure he was going to lose to Bublik in the first yeah. round. And uh, I was going to look at this and be frustrated. I was already pretty frustrated about it because I was like, oh, come on, man. But uh-huh. like, he yeah. did well by winning, especially because Bublik, by the way, is a good player. Like, let's just mm-hmm. like leave it out there. It's not like Bublik is like a pushover or a clay specialist. It's just like yeah. an overall good good player um but yeah like i really want to see him playing tissipas like this is my my thing for for Medvedev this week the the one thing that i want to see happening for him i don't even care if he loses that match i just want to see that match. exactly like, yeah me too yeah and if he's gonna go up against garin and i think it's going to be his biggest challenge of the week i think mm-hmm. it's i think it's gonna be really tested by a guy who knows his his clay court really well um Garin has definitely been tested a lot so he's probably a bit more tired than Medvedev is and Medvedev as we know pretty much doesn't get tired he may cramp but he doesn't get tired yeah um but I think I think we're in to see like a very interesting match against Garin I don't I really don't know what to make of it though like I have no idea how many how what's the score going to be like honestly it could be it could be three love for either player or an intense five setter. I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, might... I, I feel similarly. Yeah, yeah, like there's no doubt that Green's going to be a tough opponent. He beat Medvedev in Madrid, six um, one in the third set. And so, even though I don't think we're going to see the same Medvedev now that we saw then, it's um, I'm sure that's going to be on both of their minds to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think like Medvedev is a smart guy. I'm sure he's looked mm-hmm. at his draw, and so I think he probably knows that the Titi Foss match could be. Um, sort of coming up and I think he knows that that's a comfortable matchup for him so I think he's going to really want to get to that because yeah. like imagine if he were somehow able to like get to that match and then win it and like make the semifinals after never winning a match at Roland Garros before and obviously I'm like reaching and this is in the future and he would have to win two matches but like that would be a hugely successful result for him um Mm-hmm. But like yeah, to get to Tsitsipas, he has to win this one first. And Garin is a good clay quarter. He um he outlasted uh, Medvedev really in Madrid. Um <laughs> like they had a couple of rallies where Medvedev just lost patience and pulled the trigger. And he can't do that too often tomorrow. Um yeah. he's gonna have to really be patient and be willing to suffer and sort of try to slowly grind Garin down into dust in these long rallies. Um and he'll have to serve well as well and return well like he did against Opelka. Yeah, I would say probably the key for Medvedev um, against Garin, not necessarily, I don't want to reach over to Tsitsipas yet, but like mm-hmm. against Garin, I feel like, I think his his biggest key will be his, his serve. He has to frustrate Garin by acing him or getting like, um, you know, free balls that he can just kind of like, you know, smash a winner off like a good one-two punch. I think he's yeah. capable of doing this. If his match goes on uh, daytime, I think it's going to be much more on his favor. On yeah, night time, I agree with that. It's going to be a rough, but like, uh, yeah. And yeah, honestly, it's... if if I'm just making a comment about Tsitsipas, I feel like Tsitsipas is is a completely different player than when he first lost to Medvedev and Clay right now. Oh, definitely. And as 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 things are right now, I think um, Tsitsipas looks at this match and like, okay, now it's a different story. It does not yeah. hurt. Like, like it's a revenge time. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm going to get you. Like there's no way out for you at this point. Like at yeah. this, like this time it's my turn sort of thing. Yeah. Th- that's one of the reasons I want to see this match so badly because yeah. I know like TT Foss would want to win it so badly. And I think Medvedev would also really want to win it. True. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it could serve Medvedev well against Gurian if he were to take like a really aggressive role and sort of like maybe even come to net a few times. And so that way, when they did have a long rally, there would be more pressure on Gurian. Um, even though that's sort of where Medvedev can do best when he's playing really well. Um, and that could sort of shift the balance of the match into his favor. Um, and, and as for Tsitsipas, he's playing Karenio Busta, who's a very solid player. He's good on clay, but I think if Tsitsipas is at or near his best in that one, it should be fairly uncom- uncomplicated. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I would say so too, especially because uh, while Karenio Busta is a really good clay court player, I think Tsitsipas is a better clay court player yeah. and player overall. So I feel like this ultimately should go to Zipasa's favorite. Um, I think it could go to a four setter though. I feel like it could yeah, really, I, agree. I think it could really get um, into, it could really turn into trouble for Tsitsipas really quickly if he has like a dip, mm-hmm. but like uh, I don't see Tsitsipas losing this match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean um, the clay court artists matches before his. So like if he's cruising off two sets and then he sees that like Medvedev has made it through, maybe that goes to his head and Karenio Busta pulls a comeback from two sets to left down. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think Cranio Boost's ceiling is much more defined than Tsitsipas's. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cranio Boost, uh, it's not like he has no chance of winning. He can he can play well, maybe try to force a lot of backhand mm-hmm. backhand rallies, but uh, it'll definitely be a tough match for him. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just to go full circle here, and yeah. we started off with the women, let's finish off with the women. We already talked about her, but like, just a little bit more focus on Serena Williams and 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like the Grand Slam um, title that she hasn't been, she hasn't won one since 2018, I want to say. Um, 19. No, uh, her last one was 2017 Australian. 17 and, Australian. and her last Roland Garros, I think it was 2015. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been a while. Serena has been uh challenge already in, in this tournament. Um, she obviously isn't the best clay court player that ever was she has won it twice which is grand it's really big it, yeah. so she can't play there she's it's not she's not a terrible clay court player um far from it but like especially now uh i, I don't want to really mention much of her age because like it doesn't seem to be mattering all that much uh, and then how she's playing but like i guess the the new girls coming up and like different players different styles different strengths, uh, different forces, uh, Igor Spiontek being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see, do you, do you think Serena Williams actually have a chance? Like, I know we said that she doesn't, but like, if you're looking at just Serena Williams right now, if she doesn't have a chance, how far she, can she go into this tournament? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Like, she's won this tournament three times and twice in the 2010s, but it's her weakest surface at all the other majors. She's won them six or more times in the singles category, which is insane. Um, and first I'll say a quick note on like 23 and 24, I think. Um, and I can't stress this enough. Like 24 is not the mark. Like the mark was Steffi Graf's 22. Once she passed yeah. that, like that is the open era majors record. Like uh, courts draws were so much weaker. Um, like it's, it's not even a contest. So like while, it might be satisfying for her to get 24. She by no means needs it to yeah. establish herself like at the top of um, the women's game in history. Um, and I mean, with all that being said, I'm sure she, she still really wants it. Mm-hmm. And I do think she has a chance, although to get it here, although I don't think it's a big one for me, it's less of a question of her level and more a question of 
just can she string enough matches together where like something doesn't go wrong? Because mm-hmm. I think as she's gotten older, it's gotten harder for her to beat opponents when they're playing really well. And it almost feels like it can be a risk every round or in more rounds now. And that's just exacerbated on clay because it's her weakest surface. Um, and so coming up, um, I mean, the bottom, like we said, the bottom half has really opened up and Serena's done a great job in beating um, Danielle Collins. She came back from 4-1 in the second set there to win it in straights. And uh, so tomorrow she'll play Rybakina, and that's certainly a winnable match. I would call her the favorite in that one. Um, but I do think that it's just going to be really tough for her to win um, four more matches in a row, especially when the last one might be against Fiontech. Mm-hmm. So... I would tip her to make the quarterfinals at least. Um, that so, sorry, that kind of seems like a frustratingly vague prediction, but <laughs> I, I do really think that um, when predicting with her, um, I don't know. I, I, it feels like I should be taking it more match by match. I guess it's it's just sort yeah. of hard to predict. Yeah, I guess especially on clay, as you said it really well. I feel like it, it really depends on can she win the next match and not necessarily can she make it over to this stage of the tournament? Um, And we know that she can win whichever match that that is is before her. Exactly. Yeah. It depends on, it really just depends on how, how she's feeling on that day, how she's playing. She's, if she gets too frustrated, it can get to her. Sometimes her frustration is good because she, she forces herself to play better Sometimes she can become too perfectionist and end up like making errors here and there or just frustrating herself way too much with her game. Um, and on Clay, I, I, you, you really did put the, the right words in there. So those uh, flaws gets, get a little bit exacerbated, especially because she doesn't get to hit as many aces as she would like or hit as many windows as she would like to. Um, and to go back to the 24, I feel like it's, it's more of a symbolic number. I agree, yeah. Or even the tennis world. Like, I guess... As as much as we would like to say, oh yeah, like it, it almost sounds like um like a loser's argument, like oh it's because the open air is much better, like whatever. Um, so it it would be better if we, for a lot of people, it would just be better to say yeah, but she just has more, you know, it, yeah, it's just a simpler argument that people can digest better. Even tennis fans, and there are tennis fans who will who will argue endlessly about how. X or Y player from before the open era was better. For yeah, I, I don't really know what to tell those people. So yeah, so it, so yeah, I feel like the twenty four is, is is definitely like a breather. Uh, if she wins it for the tennis world, even um, yeah, to surpass uh court's uh, number, even uh, at this at this stage, I don't even want to. I don't even. I don't even want to consider like a twenty fifth Grand Slam, but uh, mm-hmm. at least a twenty fourth would be. So it would be very intense to argue against uh, Serena as the best player of all time, regardless of anything. So yeah, I mean, I I get that, but I already like I think that's already the case. Like when court is, is considered, is. I mean, this was back when like draws at the Grand Slam events were like thirty two instead of one hundred twenty eight, and yeah. like players wouldn't play the Australian Open like top players, and that was where court got like eleven out of her twenty four. And mm-hmm. so like I guess if you're not really familiar with the tennis scene. It might sound like a loser's argument, but I mean, the fact is like, it's not a loser's exactly. argument. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I think like while a 24th, I mean, I'm sure she would love it and it would be nice for the tennis world. 
if she were to get to 24 um like she doesn't need it to be considered the greatest like i no, think no. um like graf and ever um and never Solova have a way better argument um for being the greatest or one of the greatest than court does mm-hmm. and i i don't think it takes too much digging to figure that out yeah. but but all the same it would be really cool if she could yeah. get a 24th and i do think she's a contender like it's not it's not a federer situation here like there's no one in the draw who i feel like she has a zero percent chance of beating which yeah. and there are a couple of them where i feel that way for federer i think it's just more a matter of can she bring enough of her best game to every match that she can get through yeah. it yeah um and but i think even then it'll be tough because she is on a losing streak in major finals um she hasn't even gotten a set in her last four and coming up against Fiontech in the final potentially could probably be the toughest out of all of the ones she's had recently um so i think so i really don't rate her chances very highly but like but she is still a contender she does have a chance of winning yeah and just just to finish one thing like i i know that you, you said like it's not a loser's argument and i fully mm-hmm. agree with you the one thing that i would love to do is be able to not have to explain to people oh exactly that, yeah <laughs> that I draws mean- were 32 people and mostly australian and I would just be like, who has the most Grand Slams? Or like, who is the better of all time? Oh, Serena, because she has like 24. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, to people who don't watch it, tennis, they're going to look at those It definitely would make and... things much easier for us <laughs> to have to explain it. Yeah. But like, but yeah. And in terms of winning, actually winning back to the present, like forgetting about Margaret Court. Yep. I, I am definitely thinking that she's going to win Wimbledon or the US Open this year. Most likely <laughs> Wimbledon. I, I, I think that she... She's like a little bit like Federer in that way that she wants to build up enough confidence that she wants to win more Wimbledon than Roland Garros. Mm-hmm. Not that she doesn't want to win. If she's going to take like a match at a time at Roland Garros and she ends up winning, great. That's yeah. probably how she feels about it. But if that was a tournament that she she enters and uh, almost to quote Nazar here, I want to win the whole thing mm-hmm. like, it, I, like it did for Rome, I, I would say it's Wimbledon. So I guess if my prediction, if she's to take a 24 um, the ch- her chances are much higher, much cons- like considerably higher at Wimbledon than yeah. are now at Roland Garros. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's unlikely that if she gets to the final, she'll be on the receiving end of like sort of a freakishly good performance like what Halep put on her in 2019. Oh, um, I mean, I've said since, I think since that match, that I didn't think Serena would win another major. And, I, and I'm going to stick to that, but I, I do think like she could it it would not surprise me if she did her chances of doing it are better than Federer's mm-hmm. um and I think Wimbledon would be a good shot for her to do it because while at like a hard court like at the U.S. Open you have like Osaka and Andrescu mm-hmm. and all these players who like have achieved a lot of amazing things on hard court and have beaten Serena um at Wimbledon I think there are fewer players who you wouldn't consider Serena the favorite to beat and yeah. so while I do think the issue remains of just winning seven matches in a row yeah. and making sure like her level is really, really good for all of them, I think you're right. That will be probably the most achievable at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it really just comes to the seven matches in a row that she has to win, right? I guess, yeah, at this point. especially that last one. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, we went full circle. We discussed a lot. Um, just to finalize, like you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't want to. But like, what are the matches you're the most excited for? I guess you, you don't want to have to. You don't have to go like too far ahead in like semifinals or final. Uh-huh. But, like round four, what are okay. the, the best matches that you think people um, should watch? 
So I guess I would sort of advise against getting too excited for Djokovic and Musetti. <laughs> I think a lot of people are really hyping that up. And I think what's much more likely to happen than an epic or even a four setter is Djokovic winning like three, three and four, or like four, four and one, something like that. Mm. Um, so I would pay more attention to Federer Berrettini um, than Djokovic Musetti or probably even Nadal Center. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the WTA, I think Kennan and Sakari could be a great one. Yeah. Um, I think that any match Sviantek is playing is going to be an exciting one because her level has just been so consistently high. There's the possibility that she will like crush anyone she plays. And if anyone rises to her level, which many are capable of doing for a little bit, that could result in a great match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think as well, any match that Serena is playing is really exciting. Yeah, because because of the possibility of twenty four, she has been playing really well this tournament and this year. So I definitely keep an eye on her matches as well. I'm excited to see her play Rabakina, and I'm also excited to see how um, how good of a run Bedosa ends up making because her third round match was so exciting. It was so high quality, and so the prospect of her keeping up that level is really exciting. So I'd um, I would keep an eye on her matches as well. Yeah, for me, like I I guess. I know people are hyping up Nadal again, but sorry. Um, um, there's there's Sinner and Nadal, and I don't know. I, it's not that I'm not excited about it, but as I told you, I like to see to pick the matches that I'm that I feel like they're going to be the most competitive. Yeah, and I am totally fine if people fully disagree with me, but I'm really excited about Medvedev and Garin. <laughs> yeah, that, that was I actually think it's the one. Be super I interesting. I feel like I'm going to be the only one person on Earth watching that match. <laughs> it's going to be such a like a slugfest, just kind of like like a clay course, like a dirt baller. I don't like to use the term actually. So uh, the mm-hmm. clay course specialist and the guy with the most awkward tennis brand on Earth, yeah, going against each other is, is definitely the recipe for a very weird and quirky match. But I think it's going to be really fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I think also like every match Medvedev plays is, is <laughs> yeah. sort of like a must see, but for a very different reason. Exactly, just because yeah. like there's the possibility that he plays his game and does well, and there's also just the constant possibility yeah. that he implodes and like does something crazy. Um, and yeah, and and that possibility of uh, Medvedev Tsitsipas in the quarterfinals is a really exciting one. So yeah, and for the WT, honestly, basically every match is the right, most watch. Golf. Sounds really, really interesting. Definitely. Um, yeah. Sakari and uh, Kenan sounds amazing as well. Kostyuk and Sviantek, also really cool. Um, Azarenka Pavlyuchenko is definitely like an old school, like obviously like old school as I'm 2010s tennis. Uh-huh. Um, going against each other is going to be really interesting to watch. Vandrusova, Badosa sounds also really fun. So I guess if you're if you're tuning in for the WTA, you're probably not going to be disappointed, right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this part of the tournament, I think, um, can be the best part because you'll get all these like really competitive fourth round matches, um, and there are so many of them happening. So if you sort of set aside a day to like watch as many of them as you can, and like tomorrow's a Sunday, so it could could be a good time for it if you're listening to this. Um, and just like watch as much as you can, like yeah. there, it's almost a guarantee that you will see like one awesome match. Yeah, at least wake up at 6 a.m., prepare yeah. yourself a good breakfast, and tennis is on exactly. Yeah, Federer's match ended pretty late tonight. Eh? Like, it was like, yeah, finished just before 1 a.m. Paris time. Yeah, yeah, 
So yeah, like you, you could potentially look into having a full day of tennis ahead of you tomorrow. If you wake up at 6 a.m., you could be up until 6 p.m. watching 12 hours of straight tennis. That would be yeah. really fun. Yeah. 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 I haven't woken up early for a day yet. I usually just sleep until I wake up and then get up and start watching immediately. But yeah. tomorrow I might wake up early for the first time. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess that, that, that makes the roundup for uh, this week's of Roland Garros. We didn't really go too much into the second week, but let's see how that goes. Like, I feel like it's, um, it's still a pretty unpredictable tournament. Um, and while Nadal is still the favorite in the men's draw, I think as the years go by, it becomes more and more likely that he, he may be upset at some point. So I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, Nadal's just going to win the whole thing again and again, like a... You will have to win unless Almagro's predictions are right and he's going to be 65 <laughs> years old and winning Roland Garros still. Um, but yeah, I guess that, that makes the tennis and bagels round up for week one of Roland Garros and stay tuned for next. Thanks, Owen, for um, joining me in this conversation. Vansh is very busy right now with school and stuff. But yeah, and if you feel like checking out scores, uh, TNNS tennis uh, app for scores is the best, in my opinion. They have Roland Garros uh, and there's lambs, which is something that the ATP WTA app did not have. You had to download the actual um, app for the tournament. So if you just want every tennis thing in one place, that's probably your place to go. I definitely recommend it. Um, so yeah. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks Owen, for being here. Yeah, of course. It's fun every time we do this. Looking forward to the next one. All right. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 